Hey, everybody, there's a great new way to support Echoplex Media. Head on over to eplex.store and you can sign up at the $5, $10, or $20 a month level. Works just like Patreon. You get all the same benefits our patrons get. Plus, you get a discount for items in our swag shop. And coming soon, we have members-exclusive swag that you'll be able to pick up at a really low price. Enjoy the show. I don't know what they're smoking over there at Princeton. The focus on ridicule. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their presses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I've got everything I need I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree And I can walk down the streets after dark, no one wants to rape me And I can get a girl pregnant and just as easily flee Just like my straight white male dad did to me a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I've got a pile of broken mirrors and I'm walking under ladders and I'm spilling tons of salt but to me that doesn't matter cause my skin and my gender and my orientation are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly A penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Hey everybody, welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do the show live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Uh, support this project at eplex.store via memberships or merch. Uh, use the code NOWSPACE, all caps, to get 10% off of everything except for the Pride merch because that stuff is a fundraiser. So not giving you a discount on that because you're doing that to donate to Lambda Legal. We'll do that through the end of the summer, actually, because some places have pride all the way through August. So, um, and every month we'll donate our portion of Lambda Legal. We did pretty, pretty well this month. Thank you. Thanks to a few people gifting out some shirts, a bunch of people buying them. Um, and if you're a Patreon user and don't want to sign up for something new, I mean, you can make the mistake of using Patreon to support us and I will take your money, but supporting us via fourth wall is way better. I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder. I'll be invading your grid in Fremont, California in about a month and uh how you doing hk i'm doing great uh my name is hk Perrin, and you can find me on mastodon at hparron at port87.social uh it is missing a letter yes well it is what it is <laughs> i um <clears throat> I, so i got an email that i replied to but i'd like to reply to it uh on the show too Somebody wrote me an email that was like, hey, why can't you cover these guru figures in an apolitical way like the, the Coding the Gurus podcast? And I said, well, that podcast is also available and you can listen to it as much as you want. 
said, I've even had Chris from that show on this show, if you would like to hear both at the same time. <laughs> uh, so we are explicitly not apolitical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we are We are far leftists. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe there's there's <laughs> communists in our chat who might... Uh, who might yeah, excuse me, Maybe sir. some of our chat is more leftist than us, but we're pretty far. Yeah, especially like in like your this, average Democrat, we're to the left of them. And we're definitely the way to the left of this kind of critique sphere that has come up around the intellectual uh, dollar or around the intellectual dark web. But like the idea <laughs> that you're going to come to a show called the intellectual dollar tree and get the same kind of content as like a, <clears throat> as like an anthropologist and a psychologist talking about the, the, these gurus, like you're not going to get the same content. You're, you're just not, that's, that's, <laughs> but you know, I was like, I encourage that person to keep uh, listening to the show, but I doubt they will because they took the time to email me and complain that like we wear our politics like on our sleeve. In this case, my politics are a rainbow with my logo in the center of it. Uh, mine, mine is just emptiness. Emptiness. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> you're a, what is that? Uh, I forget what's that. You're a, anyway, whatever. You're a cynic. We wear our cynicism on our sleeves too. Not during Pride Month though. Anyway, so we watched uh, like a clip from this last week and I was like, oh, maybe they're going to put the rest of it behind a paywall. Well, unfortunately for everyone out there, they did not put the rest of this behind a paywall. Uh, there's two of my least favorite people in the world and non-Oliver. Um, this is Eric Weiss. <laughs> non-Oliver is I just, mean, non-Oliver's bad too. Right, but just he just doesn't, he's just not, he just, you know, he's just kind of like an also-ran, you know? He's like an honorable mention in the worst person in the world category <laughs> or a dishonorable mention. Uh, his first name's Francis, right? What's his last name? Foster. Foster. Francis Foster. Okay. Yeah. Uh, his, his first name is Non. His last name is Oliver. <laughs> I don't remember. Somebody in chat came up with that. It was the, one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. He's like, uh, if you order John Oliver off of wish.com, he's what you'd get. No, have you ever seen the ads for the new thing called Timu? Timu is like the wish, the no. wish, wish.com, wish.com. Like you order wish.com off of wish.com and you get Timu? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's enough bans. People aren't here for us to banter. People aren't here for us. But hey, at least, I'm, at least, my, at least the banter isn't me, me, me telling HK to shut the fuck up this time. So that's great, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm just kidding you're you're a great co-host i am uh, i'm glad you jumped on this project i enjoy doing it my, I don't, by myself I don't sometimes mind when you tell me to shut the fuck up what <laughs> i don't mind when you tell me to shut the fuck up i'm right some of the time yeah usually i'm i'm talking too much when you say that. you're often fucking narnia somewhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway here uh, i've skipped the intro and here's uh this is this is an hour 36. We aren't going to get to the whole thing during the regular podcast, but, um, you know, we may end up watching the whole thing. This is Eric Weinstein on the fucking trigonometry podcast. Have you on the show, Eric? It's been a long time coming. So exciting to have you here. Um, but listen, you know, for a lot of people who watch our show, you will be one of the IDW guys who was part of this sort of weird emerging thing a few years ago. And they won't actually know who you are exactly. They'll know you for the things you say. But what, what has well, what else, who, as, I envy them. As a, as a public figure, what, el what else is he other than the things he says as a public figure? <laughs> Well, he's he's more than just the IDW. He's also got the uh, the uh, geometric unity, where he's 
currently revolutionizing physics. Uh, he's not there <laughs> yet because he's in the stage. You know the old thing: first they laugh at you, then they dismiss, or first they dismiss you, then they laugh at you, then they s- uh, say that you're right or whatever. He's in the. He's still in the laugh at you part, and he's struggling to get past that part. They just keep laughing at him. Just no matter what he does, they just keep laughing at him. Leads you to be sitting here because you've done a lot of interesting things. Right. So I've, sometimes I try to avoid uh, being known to the audience. I would say that I, by profession, I started off trying to do physics, but realizing that physics was in a terrible situation. So I ended up doing <laughs> mathematics that allowed me to shadow the physics that I wanted to be doing. Um, in a certain sense, uh, a lot of who I am is a person who has believed deeply that the master narratives that govern our time have been getting weirder and wackier. And so I started, I would say, late 80s, early 90s, really exploring the idea that our institutions are much farther gone and much stranger and weirder than anyone expects. And because that has such a high social cost, or at least had such a high social cost. Yeah, yeah, look at you all fucking poor. Alms for the poor. Alms for the, like, (laughs) Peter Thiel, do you have an extra two mil? (laughs) Oh man! When you explored it at that time, uh, it was kind of an open world. And I would say the people who had been particularly active in progressive politics were about the only people who believed that um, a lot of these structures were really far decayed, that the narratives were wildly off of what was actually happening. And I've tried tracking that, I would say, through economics, labor markets, uh, financial instruments, uh, political skullduggery, science, um, the ways in which the uh, military complex interacts with all of these things from art to physics to news. And beyond that, I mean, my, my personal life is something that I really probably care about even more than any of this. And all of these actions are really because I have children on this planet and I'm deeply concerned that they have a happy, optimistic and positive future. And I have to I feel personally responsible for clearing away a lot of stuff that we're not supposed to talk about because uh, as we are increasingly seeing... Does he know that up thinking we were Peter a- Thiel is like actively trying to prevent that? And prevent his kids from having like a, a great future? And also uh, a palantir. Interfaces yep. with the military industrial complex to uh, a large degree free society but that is actually governed by these incredibly strong narratives that are clearly untrue and they're very difficult to source as to why is it that so many people pretend to believe things that no one can believe in in. why do people pretend they disagree with me is a crazy statement imagine that hk you're like oh you don't actually disagree with me you're just you're just pretending you just want to believe the narrative Yeah, it's not even like it's not even like you're you're too dumb to to know that I'm right. It's like no, you're nefarious. Regardless of what you say, I'm assuming that you're a bad actor and that you actually do agree with me, but you're you're saying that you don't because of maliciousness. <laughs> it's that kind of idea that like everyone is out to get you. And I swear it's like this is not the only time that he's expressed that idea. Like he really is like uh, conspiratorial. It's like, in fact, it's like the core idea that he expresses is that everyone is out yep. to get him. <laughs> yep. Specifically like science and, uh, and 
like higher education. Like everyone in science and higher education just has it out for him. I am explaining to you how everyone is out to get me from my penthouse. <laughs> I hear you, and uh, particularly on the feeling of responsibility now that I've become a father as well. Like, I, I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But before we get into the narratives and the institutions and all of that, what was wrong with physics? What's wrong with physics? What was wrong with physics that Same made thing you do that? What's wrong with physics now? I mean, the fact is that, that nobody listens to Eric. The 50th anniversary. <laughs> of a couple of developments, um, one of which was February 1st, 1973, called the Kobayashi-Maskawa augmentation of the Kabibo angle, which introduced three families of matter into the standard model. But that picture of the matter in this room, who and what we actually are as waves propagating through the space-time that uh, Einstein gave us, that model has been stagnant for 50 years. And as I was just saying on Joe Rogan, if you think about songs from that period of time, like Crocodile Rock or Taiya. Forgive me if I'm mistaken here, but we literally just added a fundamental particle to that model in 2012, the Higgs boson. Yeah, and the other thing is if like, if an idea in science stays stagnant for a while, it could be that the, the idea is fairly well fleshed out and correct. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> You know, we haven't really, we haven't really, we haven't really upended uh, the idea of evolution through natural selection in any sort of meaningful way. <laughs> yeah. Old oak tree. Imagine that playing on a continuous loop for fifty years without any real progress in the underlying. But there are radio stations that play the Crocodile Rock to this day, and not for nothing. That song is a bop. I would listen to the <laughs> Crocodile Rock right now if if I didn't have to do this podcast. <laughs> That's a catastrophe because it means that you replace all of the people who knew what science was with a group of people who will tell you, well, in science, this is the way things go, yet they have no understanding of science having never contributed. So why has it got to that stage? Why has this happened, Eric? Wouldn't it have been great if Non Oliver would have said, so what the bloody hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, name some names. Name some actual names. Who's, who in science is not a scientist who's holding back the field of physics? Someone in chat just said it sounds like they put Eric in the Large Hadron Collider. <laughs> Interesting question. Why has it happened, furthermore, across multiple fields? Why is it that, for example, evolutionary theory in terms of the sexual uh, and natural selection theories. Why did that stagnate when it tried to go into sociobiology and ran into political problems? Why is it that neoclassical economics hardened into dogma? Uh, in all of these situations, we have the fact that there was something that was going on late 60s, early 70s that ossified. And except in the fields of computation communications, things largely stagnated and it's hard to think about because so much, so much of our lives are yeah. digital. Yeah, man, there has been like zero progress in aerospace in the last 50 years. I can't recall a single thing that we've done in aerospace in the last 50 years. That was notable. Um, certainly not, you know, developing brand new rockets that are larger than any other rocket we've ever built that can actually get off the ground. Just think of just think of like the average efficiency of like a four cylinder engine for a vehicle, right? 
like in the seventies, yeah. those or cars were like making material science. Yeah, those they're, they're, those cars were making like you know a two liter engine was making like seventy horsepower. Now you can go buy like, like a two liter engine car with no turbocharger on it with two hundred and eighty horsepower that absolutely like, hauls about, ass and gets like thirty miles to the gallon. Think about like the high end cars, like high end cars back fifty years ago were made out of steel. What are they made out of now? Aluminum. Uh, well, I mean like the the outer body. Well, aluminum. They're made. They're made out of carbon fiber. Well, the the highest end cars, too, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like race cars, like the highest end cars, the right, ones but, that are designed to be as light as possible. They're made out of carbon fiber. Like carbon fiber wasn't around. Fi- well, it it was around fifty years. It wasn't ubiquitous. Was carbon fiber. Invented? It wasn't. It wasn't ubiquitous fifty years ago. It wasn't something like you can get carbon fiber on a thirty-five thousand dollar car. There's car. You can like get. Car- it, it, Go ahead. It wasn't as good. Okay. Uh, and but what like Eric didn't in, doesn't claim to invent things in those fields, so they don't matter. Yeah, Eric has literally no idea what's going on in in the material sciences at all. Like God. fucking no idea. And also he's like hand waving away like like electronics as if to say like any advancement in electronics was just a given that's interesting considering how he's made all his money (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah like anything in 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 like electronics or telecommunications like all of those advancements they were just gonna happen anyway humans barely even needed to be involved in fact peter Thiel's just a dumb fuck Anybody could have figured <laughs> well, it out. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> These explosions in computation, we almost don't notice that that feeling that the world is taking place at breathneck pace, uh, breakneck pace, uh, at a breathtaking speed, rather. Sorry to confuse those two. That feeling derives almost entirely from our digital lives and the innovations in software and computation and artificial intelligence, all of those things. But think about like medical science. Like I have a scar on my body from where my appendix was taken out that if I got my appendix taken out today, I would not have that scar. I would have no scar at all. Well, there would be a very small scar. Like now they do, they take out your appendix laparoscopically through uh, like an incision in your belly button. So, well, two incisions, one in your belly button and one on your abdomen. Uh, but it's like a tiny scar that's like maybe a, a few millimeters or a centimeter large. I have a scar that's like four inches large because my surgery was in like 1998. I never take screenshots during the podcast, but it looks like he's uh, presenting to you the honest conversation <laughs> sign that they have here. So I'm going to go ahead and take the screenshot of that. Chat says my bikini line is ruined. Uh, That's not the thing that's ruining my bikini line. (laughs) That neon sign, that poster, uh, the fact that we're filming in a studio, all of those things were possible in 1973. It might have been more expensive, but the only the the video might have been closer to a square. Novel thing here is is that you're able to push this out without a broadcast news station. Wow. So. I mean, that says a lot about not only like he's he's completely ignoring the fact that like we made a vaccine like to say that there's no advancements in in medical science. Well, he's not saying like 
He's saying well, physics. He, he's, he's essentially saying that. He's been saying, he's saying that medical sciences have stagnated because he said all the sciences except for computation has stagnated. So if you're saying that, you're completely ignoring the fact that we created a vaccine in like 10 months. Yeah, but he's wishy-washy on whether or not that, that's a good vaccine. So, <laughs> But like that would be unheard of 50 years ago. That's true. And also, like, I just feel like I think I've said this like a million times when both P him or Peter Thiel are talking, right? You look back on the past and you compress it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, just the way you think about the past, you compress time. Whereas when you're living through something, you feel every moment of it because you don't really have much choice except for when you're asleep or if you like get knocked out by something. So, like, it just it seems like things were progressing more quickly maybe in the past than they are today because you're not waiting like for a discovery i don't know how, exactly how to say it but it just mm. I, I feel like we compress the past right yeah about society because if society is not innovating it's effectively dying isn't it well again it's not that we're not innovating at all but if you think about you know the jetpacks, for example, that were uh, featured in a James Bond film in the 1970s. <laughs> That's a fucking fictional f film, you dumb fuck. But also, we actually have those now, and they're real and they work. We always wondered when were we going to get personal jetpacks. We're still dealing with the idea that they're quite hard to stabilize. Um, if you go to the no, we have personal. That's not the problem. We have personal jetpacks that you could. You could buy a personal jetpack right now. The problem is that the fuel lasts for like a minute and a half and it's incredibly noisy. It produces a massive amount of noise. Completely space age futuristic building that dominates the architecture. It's still the most futuristic thing in the city. I mean, we somehow took on a very different perspective at the future i just was dealing with somebody involved in the relaunch of the delorean do you see what i mean though like this guy is such a fucking moron he has no idea what is going on in any field other than the one he is involved in at the future i just was dealing with somebody involved in the relaunch of the delorean motor company and 40 years later the delorean is still absolutely something that excites us because it is new and well, I just that's a new DeLorean. They, no, that's the, the reason the DeLorean excites us is literally because of nostalgia and back to the future. Yeah, nostalgia specifically about the movie back to the future. And that was in the, the car. The, the car company failed because the car was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the, the reason people are excited about the DeLorean is because it's old. And, and because so few of them are still roadworthy that seeing one is a pretty rare, inst rare instance. <laughs> yeah. Man, this guy is so thick-headed. Jesus. On the idea that our lives could be filled with an exciting parade of major um, innovations. And I was just on stage at, at, in Miami at, at Bitcoin talking about oh, that was great watch that talk we watched him at the bitcoin conference <laughs> that was amazing if you didn't see that if you didn't listen to that episode of the it was the called the, the humblest man in the world talks about three white papers oh that's such a good episode of the show white papers that oh. change the world and one I of them i have frozen the, the the blockchain white paper from 2008 
Dave, One can you hear me? Called attention yes. is all you need from 2017, which changed the can you see me? model landscape. And one of them, when something goes wrong during the podcast part of the show, um, the people that are listening to the podcast uh, probably um, just like just leave and come back if something goes wrong during the podcast part of the show, please. I mean, my browser is asking me whether I want to go healthful or quit it. So I'm going to do that. I'll be right back. Cleavage sites and spike protein and coronavirus. Wow. Which <laughs> changed. <laughs> One of them was something called attention is all you need from 2017, which changed the large language model landscape. And one of them was the 2018 proposal from the Eco Health Alliance that we should start experimenting with furin cleavage sites and spike protein and coronavirus. Wow. <laughs> you left that one for the for the end there. Yeah. Eric, you know, one that of the funny? interesting things that you mentioned there is something that I think is part of this whole thing that confronts all of us who are trying to think about these things, which is our vision of our future and of ourselves has fundamentally changed. And I remember as a boy growing up reading science fiction about the great the great challenges that humanity would face as it expanded into the universe and how when but that's science fiction and it we it could still happen constantine a, a, a spin-off of your civilization different planet or as you introduce robotics as you introduce this new challenges come along and it was almost taken for granted in that era having just watched you know first of all my guys launch a man into space and your guys put one on the moon and all of that that this would continue, that these vast breakthroughs in, in human achievement would continue. And now we sort of squabble about tax rates. And but we're like, we're like up against like physical realities. Getting to the moon was hard, but <clears throat> the moon's fair. The moon's pretty fucking close. You can get some pretty detailed uh, imagery of the moon with a telescope in your backyard that you can buy for a couple hundred bucks. I mean, it's not like close, like you could touch the fucking thing, but it's not, the moon isn't far like the other planets are like it's, the amount of energy that it takes to get to the moon isn't isn't that huge, but the amount of energy that it takes to get to Mars or to Venus or something is, it's so much more that it's not surprising that it's going to take us quite some time to get there, like to get to the point where we're able to do it. Like, why is this surprising anyone? There was a, a website that I really enjoyed, and I forget what it's called, but it's something like, why, why is getting to Mars so hard? And it would let you scroll, like scroll down from Earth, uh, like uh, in, in scale, you'd see Earth, and then you'd see the moon, and then you'd scroll down, and you'd keep scrolling, and you'd keep scrolling, and like after like 10 minutes of scrolling, finally you'd see Mars. It's like, oh, yeah, that's really far away. <laughs> and we just learned what happens if you were to like haphazardly attempt to uh, do something really, you know, technically difficult with just whatever ideas you have in your head about it, you know? <laughs> yep. So not only is it like <clears throat> just getting there is hard enough with, um, you know, unmanned equipment or whatever, but like space is death anything goes wrong up there you dead yep uh not quite as quickly as uh you know the 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 deep sea thing you know if if your submersible implodes in the deep sea you just die instantly like well, you're, I mean, you're depends don't, on what you don't kind even of... realize that you're dead if you die in space you kind of know you're gonna die for like 15 seconds before you do 
So it's like it's not only are you like sure to die if something goes wrong in space, but also you'll know that you're dying. And, you know, other things like <clears throat> you you have to if you're going to Mars, for example, you have to get along with everybody on that crew at all times, because if you start squ squabbling and having like interpersonal conflict, your mission, your mission is going to fail, possibly ending up with you being dead. Yep. And the I think the minimum trip out to uh, out to Mars would be, I think it's something like 11 months. Something like that. It's measured in like many months, not not like three days like to the moon yeah yeah this is why this is why we haven't <clears throat> and it's not that we haven't made advancements either in, in in this stuff like the kinds of satellites and the kinds of probes and just machines that we're sending out into space are far more advanced than anything we've ever sent out before the the, mm -hmm. the thing that's on mars now has its own helicopter <laughs> which is super cool considering that the martian atmosphere is like one one hundredth the pressure of earth's atmosphere so and we I, actually made something that can fly through that and, and i'm not i'm not a physics expert but i feel like there's some physics going on with that thing <laughs> like that maddening isn't it yeah because there was nowhere to go you see what did we really do? Did we put a man on the moon or did we put a man on an ICBM and said it was a moon mission? Uh, at some level, that no, was also the, a giant wait, fake. What? An intercontinental ballistic missile goes from one continent to the other. <laughs> also, it, it is ballistic. It is a ballistic trajectory. Right. It launches and then follows a ballistic trajectory, a parabola. A trip to the moon is not parabolic. It's probably not a straight line, but it's not parabolic either. Yeah, it's like a trip to the moon. You're going to go out to the moon and then like circle around the moon. And then it's kind of like a big figure eight, but you might make a few loops around the moon, kind of depending on if there's some guys down there that you want to pick up before you go back. <laughs> right, because we knew that there was almost nowhere to go. I mean, basically, there's the moon and there's Mars, and then you're out of range of anything interesting with chemical rockets, and I can even ask, you know, if what you've about Venus, Joshua Tree in Southern California, you have an idea of what it might be like to, to be on Mars. It's beautiful, but it gets old pretty quickly. Um, I think that, that Mars, is not at all what it would be like to be on Mars. What happens when you take a moonless night, and you go out, and there isn't a cloud in the sky, and you lay on your back, maybe during a meteor shower, and you gaze up at the heavens, and you think, why is it that Uruguay is on my bucket list when I can see the heavens. You know, I mean, the, I'm seeing galaxies. Well, because you can go to Uruguay? Yeah, you won't die um, instantly if you go there without a spacesuit. I know that some of those are stars and some of them are galaxies. That's where we're supposed to be dreaming. And the only way to get out of here and to go find that and find out what the universe is, is physics. So while many things stagnated the unforgivable thing that stagnated the singular unforgivable thing is our understanding of the most basic notion of who we are when we lost the taste and we're, we're in the process of not only stagnating in physics but killing the impetus to solve these problems there's a new kind of ethos that says that to ask for an ultimate theory is immodest no 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 not to add to, to claim that you've created one is immodest <laughs> uh hold on he, he 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 went from 
we're no longer going to the moon to now um everyone gets mad at me when i say that i figured literally everything out and to be fair most people aren't mad at him (laughs) anger isn't yeah most most people laugh at me when i say that i figured out everything it is fundamentally imperious that really begins to scare me that we start thinking about these things in terms of very personal negative characteristics of arrogance of hubris and you understand where it comes from right because we did unlock this power and, and in particular in 1950 i mean we we do all know that uh that eric weinstein is the most humble man in the world he keeps winning the contest for it yeah three keeps years down, running keeps turning down the prize money too the, the, mm. the actual atomic bombs dropped on on humans tragic as they may be mm. but the potential tragedy of hydrogen weapons uh we with that we came to understand we're really good at this we're really incredible and we have to watch ourselves and i think that that's the right ethos is that we need to work really good at blowing shit up in new and interesting ways thanks eric (laughs) but to stop ourselves we've now crawled into the valley of of death and the trick is to get out to the other side and to get to the cosmos and to start to feel that we're being invited to the world's greatest adventure. Well, people might say, and what the fuck is he talking about? Like we can't go to Mars. We can't not right now. Right now. Yeah. People, people are, people are working on it and it's hard. And that's the part I think Eric doesn't want anything to do with actually is the part where it's hard. Like we can like, without a doubt, we could, get a human being onto the surface of Mars. They might even still be alive, (laughs) but there is a 100% chance that if they're not dead already, they would die on Mars. If we did that with today's technology. So like, what the fuck is he asking? Is he asking like someone to volunteer to go die on Mars? No, no, no. He, he thinks he, we've talked about this before too. He ascribes to this like great man of history. And I do mean man like idea where he just thinks that like we're not listening to whoever the smart Mars guy is. And if we just listen to the smart Mars guy, probably someone known to him, right? (laughs) That we would just be on Mars right now. I think like that's, that's where all this comes from is this really like false idea that very brilliant individuals have driven history and it hasn't been societies and culture that have driven history. Well, people might say, and uh, I mean, I, I have some sympathy with this argument. You made it yourself only a few minutes ago, which is the pace of change is such that we are rapidly developing technologies that are breaking the world around us. Uh, if you look at the impact social media has had on the way that human beings communicate, uh, I mean, nuclear weapons is another example, of course, but you, you, could, you could give others where the technological progress we make is so disruptive yeah. to our world that I don't blame people who think, why don't we just slow down a bit? And tell me something. When your wife's water broke, what was your, what was your sense of like, oh, shoot, we got to stabilize the situation. Uh, how do we make sure that our child can stay in here forever? No, it's an invitation. What the fuck? Our but we know, how, we know how birthing works, Eric. That is such a dumb metaphor. What the fuck? 
<laughs> like even if he was right that people are thinking to themselves, let's just stagnate here. That's still a dumb metaphor. And he's wrong. Like no one thinks that. Well, I'm, I'm sure some people think that, but like the majority of the population is cool with progress, at least some amount of progress. Right. And it's just that it's just that not everyone thinks that Eric is the key to progress. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think probably only one person thinks that Eric is the key to progress. And if you're, if you're going to interview him, you have to at least uh, act as if during the interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Water just broke. Yeah. What could happen next could be absolutely deadly, but to not understand that it is now time to call the hospital to get that bag together, to run like hell, to care about uh, those less fortunate than ourselves because they may be incapacitated. The, I don't think we're understanding what this moment So is. I think what he's saying is if, if you're not cool with sending someone to die on Mars right now today, then you're also not cool with people being born? Like you, you, you would stop believe. someone from giving birth? It's four amino acids and 12 nucleotides that shut down planet Earth. Whether or not that came from a pangolin or a laboratory does not matter. It's a tiny change that led to a virality. This is the leverage level that we're now talking about, where a tiny change in the world with a large enough lever. Uh, Archimedes was simply right. Like, has this dude never heard of the Black and, Death? You know, in the Jewish tradition, I have at least something I can say, which is don't wait for the bread to rise. This is your moment. You're being invited out. But sometimes if you wait for the bread to rise, you get a different kind of bread. <laughs> and that's yeah. fine, too. Both, both kinds of bread are fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, that's, that's how pathogens work, Eric. Yes. One tiny little pathogen can cause massive devastation. Yes, that is how pathogens work. But Eric, well, look, and I'm not a scientist and my background isn't in science, but I see AI and the rise of AI. And to me, and look, I'm of a slightly, you know, pessimistic mindset. Okay. He's a fucking depressor, <laughs> is what he is, mate. <laughs> but I see AI and I find it terrifying. I find it terrifying the effect it's going to have on, on uh, people's jobs. The fact that it's going to obliterate a lot of jobs. What effect is that going to have on society? Am I, am I right? You just lost your capitalist model. What? You have a model with two inputs called K and L that's taught in every university that subscribes to neoclassical economics. What's AI? Is it L? Is it labor? Is it capital? What the heck is it? This is the first time. It's going to be capital. Yep. Humans <laughs> are not being chased into higher and higher levels of work. We're being chased out of repetitive work, mm. whether it's high level repetitive work in the, the way that a neurosurgeon might perform or low level repetitive work. So your model of economics just broke. Now, when your water breaks, when your wife's water breaks, it doesn't mean that the baby is born instantly. When the contractions are coming, you know, 15 minutes apart, it's not yet time to be born. This is the moment. Why are we not holding a conference on uh, after capitalism and communism? What is the next economic system? Do you imagine that Adam Smith 
we uh, are marks would just be sitting like people on their hands do think about that and talk about say, that okay, all the time a new model it is bizarre that we are sitting here inert saying gosh this is going to break capitalism well no kidding this is gonna like break we've been okay so like apparently also this dude's never heard of star trek because that's like a, a large portion of the philosophy of star trek like what happens when humans aren't required to do like menial labor jobs <clears throat> and that, that frees us to <clears throat> explore the universe but it's also fiction yeah but like it's philosophy so like to say that no one is thinking about this like you have to completely ignore like a it's not just star trek too you have to completely ignore like a huge portion of like literature and philosophy from the past half century and not for nothing there's probably economists thinking about this too yep yeah so uh, again i think he just he's just so monumentally ignorant about everything that exists outside of his own little segment of of like you know his his own industry but his industry is like smelling his own farts <laughs> yeah if you asked him has there been any improvement in your farts in the past 50 years he could probably go on for hours that's what i'd ask him first if i had an hour with him where he had to answer my questions <laughs> break capitalism and you have this fabric it's, it's really fascinating you have a fabric that is overlying the entire world that directs people whether to get up in the morning and what to do once they once they do rise and it tells them how to do things without having a dictator so this it's not just the invisible hand it's the invisible mesh and this invisible mesh if it breaks means people are not going to know what to do in the morning and now you can see that this is Pro sleep till noon problem solved break it now you have a brief period of time with what my wife uh, uh, has called as she's an economist uh, with the institute for new economic thinking she says this is the golden age of ai complementarity where a human being making prompts can ask the large language model or, or neural net whatever whatever you like questions and the two of them in dialogue can create something it's sort of like when humans and, and computers started playing chess together this is going to quickly give way to where the ai says i can take it from here and how quick do you think it's going to be eric probably pretty quick but keep in mind that there's some things that could happen because what these machines are doing is reading a human corpus uh, when it comes to language models, let's say. Uh, it could be that they asymptote based on how clever we've been. For example, they don't do a very good job in areas where there are fewer than 200 people writing about a very high-level scientific subject. So I ask these computer models a lot about determinant line bundles, not something in general uh, conversation. And they're terrible at it because they don't know what to read or how much... They don't have enough. So it's possible that I... That that could ask them to. Because they don't know but what to really read? Well, <clears throat> this guy has no idea how AI works. Well, it's just that they're not being fed this stuff because it's, they want, it's early like, days. AI doesn't read things when you ask it questions. And it's, yeah, they're, 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 they've already been fed basically the answers. Yeah, um, it's just going on its training data and it's just predicting the next word that it's going to say over and over and over again. That's sort of like what Eric does. 
really have to keep in mind is that a clever person at one of these AI outfits might figure out how to teach computers to do things that no one has done. So we know that they have emergent behaviors, that you may not teach them Bengali, but they realize they have to learn Bengali in order to tell you about Tagore, so learn Bengali, they do. That's an emergent behavior. What happens when they start to... Uh, well, you know, I hesitate to give you an example because I think this could be weaponized. So maybe I'm not going to say what I well, think. It's a good thing nobody takes you seriously. Give us whatever example you want, Eric. All hell's about to break loose. And my question is, are you, are you trying to figure out which way the wave is going to break and get your surfboard in the water? Are you, are you trying to figure out how to anticipate this? No, in general, we sit around worrying about it in the most inert way possible. And I just don't understand the learned helplessness. This is, the, your, your wife's water is broken and you're thinking, this is terrible. So now it's no one's working on AI? Is that... <laughs> He's, he's, I think he's sort of going back and forth between like <clears throat> regular people and the folks who are programming AI, but regular people might be not, you know, I don't understand AI very well and I'm not too terribly worried about it, but I could see where someone would be, but like, okay, so what? You know what I'm saying? Like the, he, there's it, like what he's saying is meaningless almost. I think also he has a very uh, incorrect notion of what AI is, and he's extrapolating from his incorrect notion as to what AI will be able to do in the next like five or ten years, and uh, that is incorrect. Right, he almost thinks like it's uh, <clears throat> like Skynet, like artificial, like full, full on artificial general intelligence where it has yeah. like agency of it its own and we're yeah i don't know much about ai but i don't think it's there i don't think it's even yes, close it is, it is not there and we i don't even know if it's possible um and neither do I you put so my money on that it is possible but we're not there yet agreed temperamentally i'm with you but I think what Francis is getting at is, look, I introduced you as one of the smartest people in the world. I stand well, by. Why did you do that? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we haven't had a good laugh like, like this on the podcast part of the show in quite some time, have we? <laughs> Man, why did we skip the introduction? <laughs> I believe him that he said it, though. I usually think Constantine's a liar, but I believe that he said that. <laughs> Do you think he believes it? I think it's probably in the rider that they signed before having Eric on. <laughs> Some of whom are saying, we got to shut this shit down right now. We need a moratorium. We can't allow this. How's to that working? I, I don't agree. That no, 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 I'm not saying whether it, it's a good idea or a bad idea. Yeah. What I'm saying is, how is it working when China exactly. and Russia and Iran are reading these papers? That's why it's not going to work, and I, I agree with you. But my uh, that, that is not the problem. Here, let's pause it for a second. So that's not the problem. The governments could all agree to shut it down. That. You know, that's something the governments could do. And the governments could shut down all the research. Uh, and that's all well and good. 
The problem is a lot of this stuff is already open source, so it doesn't matter if they shut it down. Right. Like I could go and start doing this research and, and building these models. The only difference between like me doing it and like one of these big companies is that up until now and currently still like almost it is prohibitively expensive for me to train a model like to train a, a base model it's not expensive for me to train a model like to 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 uh like special train an existing base model but it's prohibitively expensive for me to train my own model it costs somewhere in the in the realm of like two to five hundred thousand dollars to train one of those models concerned about ai because he's smart because he doesn't see anybody really i mean look i don't know elon and i are sort of leading parallel lives he must be aware of me sometimes he answers me on on twitter and sometimes we encounter each other in spaces but we know probably 25 people in common at a very high level, we never encounter each other. I can't tell you what's going on with Elon. Elon is on all of the major narratives and I 90 to 95% agree with him on everything right up until the very end. And I don't know why that goes wrong. But his whole narrative about getting off the planet and diversifying the number of places where the spark of human consciousness can be found without having all of our eggs in one basket, 100% right. And then it becomes... <laughs> <clears throat> losing me, but then again, I don't own a chemical rock. Except the physics isn't there, and, and the reason is because nobody listens to Eric. <laughs> In the case of AI, you know, the fact is he was seeing this early, and he saw Sam Altman make these other decisions. They were all at this point. And also, he keeps saying, like, chemical rockets as if we have some other alternative. Like, currently, we have no alternative than chemical rockets. The only thing that can get you to space right now is chemical rockets. Well, and to be fair, like anything that exists is going to be made out of chemicals anyway. So like, it's kind of a moot point. Um, yeah, but there are like some, uh, like there's this, this thing, I forget what it's called, but basically it spins a, a payload around really fast and then throws it out into the atmosphere. Uh, and that has some promise but it, certainly that's not going to be used to get humans to space. It would liquefy you. Rico conference, but all of these folks who are at the Puerto Rico conference knew that this was coming. Now, 2017 is the dividing line, I think, in AI, because this paper, attention is all you need, makes it clear to all of us, not through the paper, but through the consequences, that this is as real as a heart attack. So what are the consequences? Say more. So, for instance, you said the consequences are as real as a heart attack. Because you now have chat GPT, you don't need to read a paper about what academically can happen. You can sit in your room and come up with the most twisted question you like and watch what unfolds. You can watch it fail to do things like it doesn't seem to know how to do palindromes very well. Palindromes are very hard. If I give it a piece of typeset mathematics and ask it to generate the code that would give that, it doesn't seem to know how to do that yet. It doesn't seem to know how to do very specialized quantum field theory questions. But that's because it doesn't know anything, Eric. <laughs> well, I mean, he's using it colloquially. And yeah, it's like, yeah, it doesn't know those things because it's not trained on those things. 
It's trained Never on just like general text from the internet. I asked it, um, you know, I was told that it doesn't have a social intelligence and that may be, but I asked it. It doesn't have any intelligence. Does this query make my, my ass look fat? And, <laughs> uh, it, it didn't want to answer. It says, I'm a large language model. It's an inappropriate question. I said, what if I was a husband asking, uh, being asked, does, does this uh, dress make my ass look fat? And it says, very often a woman is making this query. She's not asking for an actual piece of information. She's engaging in a form of signaling as a test to see whether the person is sensitive enough to understand the reason as well as being truthful enough to give credible affirmation or something like this. And I thought, okay, well, <laughs> score one for the computer. Now, whatever those things are, you can now test to see this is real. You can ask it to do it in a language you know that happens to be obscure. The fact that it made it concrete means that we're no longer arguing about whether this thing can write a, a credible short story. We know that it can. Wow. So what does that mean for people who want to be artists, for people who want to be creatives? Why do you want to be an artist? Because I would say because art tough is, childhood, is tough childhood, <laughs> exactly. Because uh, art is an expression of the human soul. So you can it? continue to express. IKEA exists. What does that mean for people who want to be carpenters? Might express itself in a way that dwarfs your. They can still be carpenters. Does that affect how you feel about your own output? Uh, or, uh, for example, uh, if it writes a beautiful love letter, but you know that it, it is soulless in your terms because it's a bit of linear algebra with nonlinear function theory thrown in. Does that change the meaning, the poignancy of, uh, of the words? What is a really moving lyric to you? A really moving lyric to me. Uh, for instance, I think it's, it's actually a soccer manager said this, simplicity is beauty. So for instance, uh, even though it was a cover, but uh, the Motown song, I heard it through the grapevine. Which I know part I, of it? I know a man ain't supposed to cry, but these tears I can't hold inside. It's so simple and clean. That song was a failed song for multiple tries. In fact, Barry Gordy, I believe, said that the next person who mentions that song gets fired. Gladys Knight almost got that song to the point of stardom because the pips had this thing where it's, oh, yes, I am, yes, I am. And it would echo as it would get fainter and fainter. It was genius, but it wasn't as cool as when Marvin Gaye was given the same song a half step or a whole step above where he could sing, so he was forced to reach and stretch. And then you have the Halloween violins at the beginning that set the tone for this thing. Right? And, and what was it about that song? It's the fact that you've got the minor sixth, the fifth, and the fourth. Go, you know. It was the bass line, sir, the bass line. Let me go. No, don't, don't, don't sing. The other guy you knew before. Yeah, can you skip this? What is it about that song? Is it the breaking of the voice? Or is it about the particular aspects of the chord progression? Uh, is it about the, the whole song, but also the bass line? Why did the song fail four times before it actually succeeded? You have to ask yourself questions. You could do that with any song, and I would have some sort of a similar story. My feeling about this is, did you ever get behind that song? Did you ever no. wonder why it worked? Uh, to me, I always put it down to the unique beauty of Gay's voice, which I think is just this. You heard it stripped? Yes. What do you think of that? I think it's phenomenal. It's stripped. phenomenal. It, it's a revelation. Yeah. Yeah. What's your point, Eric? <laughs> Yo, fucking rare fucking W for Constantine. <laughs> yep, that was good. <laughs> rare Constantine W. Watch Eric throw his mic and walk off. <laughs>
I don't know whether it's the chord progression, which the thing can clearly do, or the fact that I believe that gay is straining and feeling what he's doing. I don't know whether it's the fact that this seems like a human expression, but he didn't write the song. Somebody else is there. He animated the song. Mm. So it really has to do with the context. Okay. And my claim is maybe this thing will come up with a better lyric or a better chord progression, but it'll matter less to you because it didn't come from a human heart. I'm saying that you're going to have to start picking apart the essence of each song or poem or story. Oh, absolutely uh, not. So, so the, the title of this segment is, is AI art still art? And I don't like that question because it's meaningless and stupid. Um, like it, you can't define art. You cannot. There is no definition of art. So asking like, is this thing art? You're going to get, if you ask a hundred different people, you're going to get a hundred different answers. Uh, I guess some of them might just say yes or just say no. But like, if you ask someone, why is this art? Like everyone's going to give you a different answer. So like, is AI art still art? Sure. Yes. But also no. So I'm like one of the, the genres of YouTube videos that seem really popular that I actually that drive me actually fucking crazy is where they'll spend like 45 minutes with uh, some producer or a, a musician and a producer or whatever. And they're just going to pick apart the way in which a song was put together. I'm like, this is very uninteresting to me. And it's just my <laughs> personal, even that's crazy because I used to produce music, right? I, I wrote dance music for a while, uh, failed at it pretty, pretty miserably. And I'm a DJ, but I think that like, <clears throat> I think that him saying that we're going to have to pick everything apart. No, I don't care if I'm like scrolling through Beatport looking for like a breaks track. And if that shit is hot, I don't give a fuck who wrote it. What machine wrote it? I don't give a shit. I'm like, is this going <laughs> to rock the fucking dance floor? And if the answer is yes, then the answer is yes. Yeah. I think a, a much, a much better question here would be, are you okay with enjoying AI art? My answer is yes. Yeah, like I, I would imagine most people would say yes, but I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe most people would have a problem with AI art. I have no problem with AI art depending on how it's produced. There are certain things that like make it unethical, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy any AI art. You to feel that it's art if it was written by linear algebra. Okay. What if we go outside of the realm of art and into the more practical and tangible things? I mean, you talk about the end of capitalism, and that makes sense. And if you look at what, you know, communism or fascism or whatever, they're all responses to the economic circumstances that they, that they encountered, right? Sure. So they're a way of trying to deal with the fact that you've got an industrial revolution and suddenly everyone goes into factories and, and, and now these people are there and you, they're now in cities and all, and all of it comes out of that, right? So we're going to have to have a new whatever. A new whatever. A new whatever. But there's a lot of breaking that happens first. Oh, yeah. A lot of breaking. Sure. I mean, one of the things that we haven't explored is my need to work. Yeah. Right. Right, because before... It's purpose and meaning for I, a lot of people. I had so much work to do that I never had to worry about my need to work. Yes. But when somebody says, look, take the rest of your life off. Yeah. 
you know, you can watch TV, you can hang around in the pool, and suddenly, uh, you know, maybe your wife is looking at you thinking you're kind of useless. I, I kind of liked it better when uh, he was going out and killing mastodons and dragging them back to my cave. And now you've got a new need, which is, okay, should we make some work for you that doesn't need to be done? Should we find you some busy work? <laughs> right? That's humiliating. So now this, you, you've got a dignity shortage. You've got a purpose and dignity shortage. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is, assume that you had all of this work removed from your shoulders, but you knew that you were going to die on this planet because your water had broken. When do you start getting excited about breaking wildly new ground? When do you start thinking about taking fantastic risks, huge chances, things that are, are noble enough to reacquaint ourselves with the idea of a quest? We're when I'm fairly certain that the thing I'm in is not going to implode and kill me. When I listen to as time goes by and it says, I mean, again, he's talking about sending people to Mars to just go die there. Old story of fight for love and glory. I'm not allowed to say glory. I'm only allowed to say glory if I support Ukraine. I get to say Slava <laughs> Ukraine because Slava means glory to Ukraine. I can't say glory to America. So we've been cut off. Why? From our concept of questing and glory and winning and triumph and all of these things because it's been associated with the negative externalities of such things. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, yes, it's an opportunity, but... I mean, you can say glory to the U.S., but we're not in a war, so... If I look around at the world, kind of a lot of people find themselves in jobs and things that don't offer them any of that. Such as? You know, checking tickets on a train. You came here on a train today. I came here on a train today. Wait, what if the ticket, what if the person has like a sense of public duty and that's why they want to check the tickets on the train? They want to work for the public. So now they want to, they want to work in public transportation and the jobs that were available included checking tickets on the train. They're like, ah, I could do that. That sounds good. I want to go work for the public transit agency. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who work in like sewage treatment plants who feel very passionately about like the duty to their community. Haha, I said duty. Uh, and, you know, the, the technology that's used in these plants. Uh, one of my friends actually did that job and she was like very proud of what she did as a job. So like, yeah, pretty much every job, except maybe working for Eric Weinstein, like someone's going to be proud to do it. And like I say about meaning, we just have to make our own meaning because otherwise then what, what if we, what if we're not making meaning for our lives? Then like, I don't know. We all become nihilists. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be so bad. I suppose as long as everybody's a nihilist somewhere, somebody's checking tickets on a train, listening to your podcast saying, I love Eric. I, I listened to all of his stuff. He, I started buying books on quantum theory. A huge percentage of my audience is plumbers, electricians, long-haul truckers, mm -hmm. people who solve problems every day. They, they're often not in highly repetitive tasks. You get called in to be an electrician or a plumber in a house you've never been at, and it's got some set of problems you've never encountered before. A lot of those people... But those people aren't reinventing plumbing. Eric, they're applying what they've learned before about plumbing to plumb a, you know, to fix a problem in a house that they haven't seen before. <clears throat> and I guarantee you, somebody else has already seen a similar problem and solved it. And they might contact somebody that they know. They're like, hey, um, I know you were talking, you know, we were out having beers or whatever. And you told me about this, this, this thing you were working on. And it sounds like 
I, the thing I'm working on seems a little bit, seems a little bit close to it would be okay. If I pick your brain for a little while, I'll pay for the first round, you know, like that's good. That's how, that's how industries work is a lot of times like the relationships that you form with other people in that industry help you solve new problems because you can apply what you've learned, apply what they've learned to the extent that you can, and then uh, fucking remix it a little bit to solve a new problem. This is, this is a, again, this is a really weird, weird analogy. And even in like, even in like jobs where uh, like you're like, it's, let's say civil engineering, like, yeah, you might be solving a brand new problem. You might be uh, approaching a, a, an existing problem in a brand new way, but you're not doing it off the cuff. You're not just winging it. Like you're doing it based on like, like centuries of knowledge that have accumulated in that field. And he's just saying like, we should just throw all that away and just kind of just wing it. Let's just fling people towards Mars. Maybe they'll hit it are fit to be part of this army. And I just think that actually we've got so much human creativity that is stuck in these jobs that we don't respect. Yeah. But I've learned to respect these jobs. So uh, much I respect I the ticket oh, guy God. on the train. Why doesn't he respect the ticket guy on the train? What the fuck? He just said the ticket guy on the train listens to his podcast too, or listens to trigonometry. <laughs> Like, even if the ticket guy on the trains listens to trigonometry, I still respect him. Or, or at least the work. Yeah. Like, fuck you, Eric. You should respect those My people. My is studying spinners and differential operators in between, uh, you know, Uber assignments or something like this. It's very interesting. Hey, Francis, do you want to learn another language? Wait, does he not respect his Uber drivers either? Only if they're like trying to unify physics in their spare time. Like even if someone has no aspirations of doing something other than like a, a service job, I still respect that person. Well, first of all, why don't we create some... And he should too. What the fuck? We all should. What do we do with those people who for whatever reason are not that way inclined, Eric, who can't access these type of technologies or these type of industries, because that's going to prove a real problem. Well, first of all, why don't we create some art for them that excites them? Why don't we use art to reacquaint ourselves with the possible? I really feel like the artists have fallen down on the job. What the fuck? <clears throat> uh, yo, yo, I have a library of music here that people have made that they're not getting paid for this library. And they're all within uh, like a hundred miles of me. There's 1800 songs and most of them are really good. What the fuck more does Eric want from the art community? <laughs> <laughs> also like th there are more, I think there are more sci-fi movies coming out now than there ever have been in the past like the sci-fi genre the genre of like looking forward and seeing what's possible you know imagining these new technologies that don't exist like that genre is the largest it's ever been i'm pretty sure i feel like today's art is in general not reflecting our time and as a result it's becoming less and less relevant and then people get more and more adamant that no art has never been more relevant because they know that it's become less and less relevant what, what do you mean by that, that it doesn't reflect our time? Let's, let's explore that. Okay, so when 
the Erie Canal was dug. There were lots of songs about the Erie Canal. When the trains came in, there were lots of songs about trains. Tell me that we don't have a million songs about cars when people were getting cars in the 1950s and they spoke yep. of independence. All right. <laughs> what are your favorite app songs? I mean, but can, can anyone write a song about an app, Eric? Is an app? Yo, there's tons of music about the internet and fucking social media. You dumb fuck. <laughs> I have, I have yep, fucking, I can name songs in my local music library that are about, not necessarily it's an app song, but it's, <clears throat> we have a song by Dirtbag Dan called Socials, and it's about social media. We have a song by fucking G. Willikers called Emoji, and it's about the beginning of the pandemic and technology. Like, and these are local artists who's, who I know, but you know what I mean? They, they, like, I didn't, I didn't have to go looking for it. They emailed it to me. Was Eric just not listening to any fucking music? And then how about we talk about how like smartphones and social media has influenced like like visual arts? Is he really gonna say that there's like no visual artistry that has like like no one paints anything about like smartphones and social media? No one sculpts anything that has to do with like social technologies? There's no films like, that involve these things. <laughs> Yeah, like, fuck off, Eric. Move you in order to write a song about it? There are apps that govern your life right now. I know, but my point is, is that a great artist That's what I'm, takes I'm our time yeah. and changes it uh, into something that matters. I asked Sean Lennon. You can't you be a great artist unless you write a song about Facebook. It's our time, and he wrote Boomerang <laughs> Baby. That was his attempt you know, she's never dated someone uh, before a thorough search of Google. She, the only time she's found in church is when atten attending her own funeral. Y you know, it was speaking to a godless time wh where the apps were fully integrated. Was that song highly successful? I don't know. You know, but uh, when Drake says, you used to call me on your cell phone, he's trying to take the fact that there is some way, you know, are you going to swipe right by me, baby? I don't know what that lyric is. It's hard. But then again, the Erie Canal. You know, it's not like it's the high seas and oh, the E.R.I.E. was a rising and the gin was a getting low. And I scarcely think we'll get a drink till we get to Buffalo. You had to make that into something. And so my feeling is our artists aren't up to the task of turning uh, Waze and Google Maps <laughs> into something that I care about. Isn't it also the problem as well? And a lot of musicians have told me this, that uh, to, it, he's, he's comparing the Erie Canal with Google Maps. And... <clears throat> There's actually there's tons of songs about hookup culture. There's songs that reference Craigslist hookups that I can think of from like um, there are a lot of hip hop songs that reference like Craigslist hookups and stuff. So just because like just because Eric doesn't know about this music or this art doesn't mean it's not out there and it doesn't mean it's not great. He's just like he's just he seems like he's not plugged into the culture. Yeah, he is impressively ignorant. Like, ignorant to a degree that I'm, like, legitimately, like, in awe. And, like, it's... <clears throat> the other thing is, again, we're, we're looking back on the past and compressing the past, right? There was probably a lot of meaningless music or music that he would have at the time called meaningless when the song, you know, about the, you know, low bridge, everybody down, you're coming to a, something, you're coming to a town. It's that song about the Erie Canal. There was probably a bunch of stuff that he thought was meaning, that he would think was meaningless was happening back then. He's not there to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's kind of like why, like, uh, a lot of people think like, oh, my parents lived in this time where like all these great songs came out, and like, how come they're they're not making great music like that nowadays? But like, first of all, there is great music nowadays. Second of all, have you listened to the B sides from a lot of those albums? Right. They're Again, it gets, it gets compressed. <clears throat> there's yeah. a, there's a, 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 a pop channel about 60s music is compressing 10 years of music into one radio station. Whereas yep. like a pop channel now <laughs> isn't really doing that. They're playing what's new, what's popular. That's what new pop music is. It's what's new and popular. And some of it's going to stand the test of time and some of it people are going to forget about. That's fucking, that's just music, baby. That's, yep. that's, that's, that's I'm sorry. So well, again, like it's, it's just, it, it's mind blowing. I am so impressed at how ignorant Eric can maintain himself. Absolutely. Like he, he must actively seek to not learn new uh, things. Ways and Google Maps <laughs> into something that I care about. Isn't it also the problem as well? And a lot of musicians have told me this. But also, like, why the fuck to, would someone write a isn't song about ways? Like comparing that to someone writing a song about a canal is stupid. Like a canal is a public good. Also, the problem as well, and a lot of musicians have told me this, that to, in order to write it, the, the idea of a song that is a hit song has changed. Like, for instance, a classic pop song is around three minutes or two minutes 30. But now everything has to be designed for TikTok, so everything has to be under a minute or 40 seconds. And that's completely transforming the way we appreciate you know, music. I, I heard. Well, gee, why the fuck was everything four minutes before? Could it be that that was what fit on a 45? Or that the radio didn't want to play your nine-minute fucking rock symphony because they had to. They wanted to play a variety of music on the radio station, and <clears throat> songs aren't forty-five <laughs> seconds. <clears throat> you could go to any. You go by, look at any album. Songs are not forty-five seconds. The pop pop tune is still you know, three or four minutes long. I mean, someone might write songs that fit into these forty-five second, like TikTok videos. But like people write songs for the technology of the time, and like, there's a, lot a of, reason that pop songs are four minutes long, and, and he doesn't fucking realize that. And another thing is, <clears throat> just because you only get the minute of it on TikTok doesn't mean that that person didn't write a four minute song out of what you saw on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I was discussing this uh, with Winston Marshall, formerly of Mumford and Sons. The fact is that you had a snippet that used this unusual Phrygian dominant scale, um, which was, uh, Mommy don't know, Daddy's getting hot at the body shop, doing something unholy, which is basically Hava Nagila or Miserlu, right? And that lyric couldn't be supported by the song because the song couldn't sustain the interest. That's no way to live. But on the other hand, we have a barbell of attention. We have the inability to get through a longer tweet and the ability to watch Game of Thrones with the longest character developments anyone's ever seen, far dwarfing a movie and approaching, you know, what you do in spectacular fiction. Uh, we have to recognize that just as attention deficit disorder actually contains the ability to concentrate on something for months, you know, with laser focus, it's misnamed. We think that our attention spans have shrunk to nothing. No, we're just really easy. Uh, I, think I have that disorder and it's not misnamed what, what he's talking about is hyperfocus, and that is part of having attention deficit disorder or it can uh, be 
Yeah, like that. That is one of the. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that is one of the uh, the symptoms of it, like hyperfocus, where uh, basically you become fixated on something to the point that you can't focus on other things. You can't break yourself out of that. Uh, but like that is only one aspect of a of a disorder that includes a number of aspects and not everyone who has the disorder experiences hyperfocus and it's also uh the case that when we talk about attention deficit disorder colloquially we're talking about it in a different way than a, a mental health professional might diagnose it yeah so like in the DSM there actually is not ADD anymore they're all classified under ADHD so if you're diagnosed with it now, you're diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And, uh, and this, that whole thing about like art and music, it's, it's like, it's just very clear to me that he's not, um, engaged in any of the, the pop music of today. Uh, Lizzo, for example, it's just fucking groundbreaking what Lizzo is doing. I don't even like the music that much, but I can recognize that it's fucking groundbreaking. I can hear one of her songs and be like, that's a good song. It's not, it's not, you know, my kind of music or whatever, but that doesn't mean that it's not like some groundbreaking thing. He's like <clears throat> one of those people. And I'm so glad I never became that person who just won't listen to new music. I don't know if, do you know anybody you're, you're approaching that age where you might have friends who only listen to the stuff that you listened to when you were in like high school or the first couple of years at university and they don't listen to nothing else. Mm -hmm. um, and that's fine, whatever. But if you're doing that, that's one thing. Okay. You know, I, I like some of the songs of my youth too, but I don't go, Oh, well music sucks now because it's not Nirvana or whatever. Like that's sort of what he's doing. It's a version of that. Yeah. And that's really closed minded and it's really closed minded. And, uh, I think it's a sign of like the stupidity, honestly, not like hearkening, not like the nostalgia of liking the old stuff, but like just convincing yourself that the new stuff sucks. I think that just means you're stupid. <laughs> I think it's definitely a sign of ignorance. So like he is profoundly ignorant. Uh, like I was saying, it, it is, it legitimately impresses me how ignorant he is. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's music coming out today that's going to be thought of in the same way as that Erie Canal song that he uh, mentioned. We just don't yep. know it yet because we don't know what's going to stand the test of time. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, music and art. Like, there's there's tons of art that is, like, profoundly meaningful to the times right now uh, that, like, I guess he just doesn't see or he doesn't even believe that it exists. Like, it's... It it is amazing to me that I I swear to God you have to actively try to be that ignorant like you can't just naturally be that ignorant. You know I think it's it's just like it's he, he's doing the these like I said I'm repeating myself but he's doing that thing where somebody just like oh the music was best when I was growing up and everything new sucks you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> And it's like, well, that's what the, the back in my day, <clears throat> that's, that's why I'm just so glad. I think like being a DJ and then getting involved in the local music scene just absolutely made that impossible for me. Like made it, I, there's no possible way 
that that was going to happen because <laughs> I get new music from artists all the time and I download new music all the time from uh, people because I want to want to kind of stay current and not not have my you know when I DJ even if I'm just DJing for the people on Twitch I don't want that shit to be stale I don't want to play the same 50 songs over and over and over again <laughs> and so <clears throat> you know maybe it's a function of being uh, to the extent that I still am in the music industry but I'd be willing to bet that you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find people in the music industry saying the kind of shit that Eric's saying about modern music yep yeah I think um one thing that would that would definitely like keep me from thinking that kind of stuff is I'm a huge fan of cartoons. And when I think back to like the cartoons that existed in my childhood, um, like they were fine when I was a kid, but like, God, they fucking sucked in some ways. And like Rocco's modern life was my favorite cartoon as a kid. And I tried to watch that as, as an adult. And I was like, this cartoon is terrible. Like legitimately <laughs> terrible, but then there's and other like, stuff. There's other stuff from our our youth, right? Like like the you go back and watch an old episode of Gem, and you realize that that shit was incredibly queer coded, and that as a kid you wouldn't have been able to really uh, grok that, you know? True. There there were great cartoons back then, but I I do feel like the industry, like the American cartoon industry, is in such a better place now than it was when I was a kid. Like the cartoons that are coming out now are just so fucking good. Well, like a lot of them. Some yeah. of them are bad, but you know there are so many good cartoons now. Uh, so yeah, th- it, this notion of like everything sucks, art is terrible now is like he's so fucking wrong. It's like <laughs> it's the most boomer fucking shit you <laughs> yeah. could ever fucking say and speaking of yep. <laughs> speaking of that hk are you ready to close this fucker out i am yes <laughs> all right this is our wednesday 7 p.m pacific uh live showing of the intellectual dollar tree uh if you're listening to us on the podcast then uh come around sometime live and check us out uh after this show we we go on to do red light and you can join us for that uh you can also check out our other shows at echoplexmedia.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that on patreon.com slash echoplex. And you can also support us at eplex.store, where not only do you get to support us, but you also get uh, discounts on all our awesome merch. Uh, now a song that could have been written for Eric Weinstein. It's Boomers by Periscope.
Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and find our full schedule at Echoplex Media dot com.